Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the pilots and the flight attendants, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Traveling Fool, because that's exactly what I've been lately. I went to Egypt in September, early October, and now I just got back from Ecuador, and I was in the Galapagos Islands. And I don't usually take two big trips like that so close together, but I had the time off. And what can I say? I'm a traveling fool. (laughs) But I am going to stay home for a while and uh, I'll be able to give more attention to the podcast because I got to stay home and work to pay off these trips I've just taken. But if you ever get the chance to go to the Galapagos, it is unbelievably amazing it is just such a special place I could I didn't want to go I could have stayed there for a very long time (laughs) you know islands are are so special in and of themselves you know you take a beautiful island and beautiful beaches and great weather and you know that's pretty darn good all on its own right but when you add the abundant wildlife they have in the Galapagos it is just so amazing I mean (laughs) you've got sea lions and penguins and giant tortoises and iguanas and blue-footed boobies I mean it's just it's just fantastic you know I think the people who must have first landed on the Galapagos. It must have been like in the movie, A Princess Bride. I love that movie where they're going through this forest where the trees are talking and there's, you know, fires and there's big giant pigs that attack them. (laughs) I think the first people that got to the Galapagos must have been thinking, what? the hell kind of place is this you know that they get there and there are these iguanas the size of dogs and and turtles that are hundreds of pounds I mean they must have thought where the heck are we (laughs) but what's so great is that it's pretty much you can experience the same thing today you can go and see the most amazing wildlife it's kind of like going on safari in Africa but the animals aren't dangerous and they could care less about you, and you're on um, a beautiful island. (laughs) It's just amazing. And in this episode, I have some foolish stories, so people saying some foolish things, (laughs) asking some foolish questions. I have uh, some stories from a guide in the Galapagos and the foolish questions that the tourists ask him in the Galapagos. And at the end of the episode, there's a story about an Indian, a rope, and a blanket on the airplane. Let's go hear about the traveling fools. Look at me. I'm this is at Chicago Herod. It's probably an urban legend that takes place in, in aviation, but someone told me it's true. He's going into Chicago O'Hare, 
and all at once he hears the controller say, Aero Mexico 11, say altitude. The guy says, uh, we're descending through flight level 190. He says, I thought I told you to cross Piatone at 14,250 knots. Long pause. Finally, a different Mexican accented voice comes on and says, well, sir, sometimes you make it and sometimes you don't. <laughs> New hire flight attendants, new hire flight attendants have six to eight weeks of training. Right. New hire pilots have eight to ten weeks of training. Met one of the pilots in the training at the lunchroom and found this out that there's only a couple more weeks of training for the pilots. And she said, if I knew there was only two more weeks of training, I would have been a pilot. <laughs> Islands. There's something about islands that's so special. And one of the things I like so much is that everybody knows each other and everybody knows each other's business. And when last year, when I was on Easter Island and I was sitting in a bar talking to a guy I just met, and I've been asking people questions for a week because it's one of my favorite things to do. And I that day had seen a gay guy at a restaurant. And so I said to this guy at the bar, I said, you know, how many gay people do you have on Easter Island? And he said, three. <laughs> I'd never heard such a specific answer to a question like that. <laughs> and he was serious. There were three gay people on Easter Island. And I was thinking to myself, that probably isn't a good number. Because it's so far away from anything else, you know? And what if you don't like the other two? <laughs> Okay, so you had a guy that was heavy set at the exit row? Yes, yes, and he was kind of loud mouth too. Huh? Okay. He wanted, uh, I was briefing him about the exit row seats, and uh, he was kind of saying, oh yeah, I can lift out the window with my one hand. Huh? And then I told him, uh, yeah, but you have to fit through the window too. Huh? You have to fit out the window. Yeah, yeah. Look at me, I'm flying. So we're in the Galapagos. Actually, in the Galapagos, right? right. And um, my guide from today on the boat tour is going to tell us a little story about. Um, you were a rafting guide. Also, yeah, I was. And what happened? Well, I, actually, this happens in the mainland, in the continent, in the Amazonas River, next to the Amazonas River, one of the uh, all tiny rivers there. Yeah. We were doing some rafting, and I was guiding with. You know, I was with 12, 12 people. Okay. And I was I was the first on the boat. Okay. And I told them, please, you know, you, you should hold yourself very tight. Yeah, hold on. Hold on, right, right, right. You hold on very tight because, you know, it's a river, very moving. I mean, you will move a lot. And so we were going, you know, and I thought everything was okay. When I turned around, there was no one there, <laughs> only by myself, around. nobody there, by myself. But every single one of them fell out? Yes, every single one. We were 12. With me, they, we were 13, so I was only by myself. Twelve of them in the water. So you had to fish them all out? Yes, you got to rescue all of them. And they were from the States, actually. His name was Ray. 
I always called him Rocket Ray because he would, could always get torqued about something. Didn't matter what, but he was one of those fellows. Rocket Ray. Rocket Ray. <laughs> he was one of those fellows, though, that was a comedian and he just didn't know it. He would say the most funny things at the most appropriate or inappropriate time. It didn't matter. No political correctness about this guy. He just said what he wanted to say. Well, anyways, Ray was kind of a short guy. In the MD-80, there was two seat adjustments for the uh, pilot seats. One on, on the outside of the seat, raised and lowered the seat, and one on the inside of the seat, right behind the uh, your cab, would slide the seat forward and back. And Ray, since he was short, he would always have his seat all the way up and as far forward as he could, yeah. so he could see over that little tiny window. So we were taking off out of Dallas, heading to San Diego one evening, and it was my leg. And Ray, being not very subtle at all, whenever he wanted to talk on the radios, he'd always grab the yoke to transmit, because there's a transmitter switch up here. Whereas most pilots would rather use the transmit switch that's down on the panel, right. so that it doesn't seem like he's grabbing the yoke while the other guy's flying, but Ray just did whatever he wanted to do. So this time, we had just taken off, just raised the gear, and Tower had just told him to switch over to departure control. Ray had reached down and flipped the switch to switch to departure control frequency. Then he puts his hand up on the yoke to transmit. Next thing I know, he's screaming at the top of his lungs and cussing a blue streak. And I look over at him, and all I can see is he's got one hand on the yoke, and he's reaching down like he's trying to untie his shoe. And he's screaming the whole time. Well, he does that for a few seconds, and then next thing I know, he hit the seat release. Oh. Well, on the MD-80, as you know, when you first take off, you're taking off almost straight up. You're going straight up. As soon as he hit that seat release, his seat goes slamming back. The problem is Ray doesn't let go of the yoke. So Ray pulls the yoke back, and I'm trying to push the yoke forward, and I'm yelling now, Ray's yelling at the top of his lungs, and I'm yelling just as loud, let go, Ray, let go. Well, let he lets go. Well, now all of a sudden, the airplane, instead of going up, pitching up now because he pulled it back, now it's going down because I'm suddenly shoving forward and Ray let go. So we're going up, we're going down. Next thing you know, the, the uh, interphone chime goes off, the flight attendants are banging on the cockpit door. What's going on, you and what I found out later was there was a fire ant that had gotten into Ray's flight kit and it had gotten over there, a fire ant out of Texas. And it had gotten in his flight kit because something he ate before had dripped some maple syrup. It must have been breakfast. So he said, yeah, when he went to check in for the flight, he was following a trail of ants back to his flight kit. Didn't even think anything of it, but they were in his flight kit. And one of them had crawled over and was chewing on his ankle. He couldn't get down there to reach it, so he did the only thing he could do and hit the seat release. And of course, everything just fell apart at that time. <laughs> but we managed to get it back together. But that was Ray. Rocket Ray. Rocket Ray. He was a piece, he was a work, piece of work. So at my airline, we don't charge any 
extra fee for exit row seats. But in general, exit row seats have more leg room. And on some of the airplanes, they have a ton of extra leg room because they're right next to the galley. And then they can see us in the galley. And because of this, because they have more leg room and they can see us, they tend to be our most um, demanding passengers. I call them faux first class. They're sitting in the faux first class because they have more room. And the fact that they can see us, they ask for so much more than any other passengers. (laughs) So one day I was like uh, on the beverage cart and I had come back to the galley to get something. And this man who's sitting in faux first class is holding up his blanket with a disgusted look on his face. And he's like, miss, miss. So I stopped what I was doing because I figured it was probably wet or dirty or something because he looked so disgusted. And he says, um, can I get a wool blanket? <laughs> now, granted, airline blankets are their own material, <laughs> but we certainly don't have wool blankets. And I wanted to say to him, I didn't. Unfortunately, I, I have to curb myself a lot. <laughs> I wanted to say, oh, no, we don't have any wool blankets, but I've got a few cashmere left just for the faux first class passengers. So we're in the Galapagos and you know how when you arrive any place, when you see something new or you hear something new that you're not used to, you don't know what to think. So I was walking through this mangrove, right? And I thought I heard a guy getting sick really sick you know i thought oh somebody's really sick on one of these boats because it was like (laughs) (laughs) it is a sea lion and then later on you hear it over and over again and you know here i was really worried about whoever it was that was sick (laughs) and you thought it was the same guy (laughs) it was like so you're a guide on um boat and has uh, anybody asked you anything stupid about any of the animals or anything oh yeah 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 several times uh typical questions actually that you know we are in the pacific ocean right, right. And this is the pacific ocean the whole ocean right yeah. so you're gonna die right and you're you're asking me how many sh- sharks are we going to see <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know i already count them yeah so I got to tell you, you know, okay, uh, hopefully a hundred, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. I have them in a pen and I'm going to let them out right as we dive in. So yeah. How many, so how many sea lions? I don't know. This is Galapagos, you know, you just dive and then you, you tell me. I said, yes, something else, something stupid somebody said, a tourist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you another time that, that this lady, well, actually several people, different trips, right? Yeah. This lady asked me one time. So um, if, like a penguin, right, or any other animal, they want to go to the bathroom, where do they go? That's a stupid question, you know? There's a nature there. You cannot tell, oh yeah, they have a bathroom there, you just go. There's a penguin toilet over there. Penguin toilet over there, you know what I mean? It's just stupid. (laughs) The sun is shining bright now. I'm grounded for the Okay, so back in the glamour days? Yeah, back in the glamour days uh, when part of our uniform was wearing a girdle. Can you imagine? No. And one of our flight attendants uh, was back in the back of the L-1011 in the, in the restroom. And she came out, she walked all the way up to first class, and she had tucked her uniform into her girdle and walked up the whole length of the plane. <laughs> show. Yeah, everyone got a show. <laughs> 
So talking about traveling fools, I was very foolish on this trip. You know, in general, because I travel alone a lot, I'm very cautious. I'm very aware of things because I don't have somebody else to fall back on if I do something stupid. (laughs) So, you know, I don't have anybody watching my back. So I'm extra cautious, usually. (laughs) But I was, uh, I went to Quito and I spent a day in Quito. So two nights and then went to the Galapagos. And then I came back, spent a night in Quito, went to the airport, but I fly standby and I didn't get on the flight. So I had to take a taxi back to Quito and spend another night in Quito. That was four nights in this like bed and breakfast where it was really comfortable there. It was very homey. It was like, I felt very relaxed there and I they they're so nice and accommodating and um, it included breakfast you know I stayed at a place on Santa Cruz the island the Galapagos for $20 a night including breakfast (laughs) that's my kind of place so anyway I'm at this bed and breakfast and they said I had to leave early to go back to the airport to try again to get home and they said they would have breakfast early for me since I had to leave early. So I get down there, I have breakfast, and there's a big group of people, like 10 people, who are now on their way to the Galapagos. And I was telling how great it was, and they were going to have such a good time. They get up and they leave. Well, I had brought my suitcase down and set it in the living room before I went in for breakfast, because then I thought I'll bring my carry-on bag down after breakfast, and then I'll leave. And, well, that big group of people going to the Galapagos just took all the suitcases that were in the living room, including mine. (laughs) And they're going to the Galapagos. I realized this after breakfast, I came uh, over to the desk to check out. And I was like, where's my suitcase? And the guy looked at me like, they must have taken it. And he didn't know where the driver was. And thank goodness, they weren't going anywhere else in Ecuador. If they'd been going to the jungle or the cloud forest, I'd never see my suitcase again. But I ran upstairs and I grabbed my carry-on bag and I was like, um, I told the taxi driver, I'm like, rapido, rapido, airport, rapido. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. I was trying to explain to him, you know, I, my bag, those people, airport, Galapagos. And he was so nice. It was like being on The Amazing Race. He was running red lights. <laughs> and I'm like, rapido, rapido. <laughs> well, I, we got there so fast because of my good taxi driver that I was able to catch the people before they went to the Galapagos and got my suitcase back. But that was very foolish on my part. You know, you really shouldn't lose sight of your luggage. And I let my guard down and it was foolish. Yeah, you'll make my day if you tell me a story. Well, there was a uh, Dakar layover and the captain and the first officer were not getting along very well. And they're both Air Force guys, and they're always trying to show each other up. So at the pool, you know, we have a long layover there, yeah. so you have time to have a f- yes, a lot of people have a little, have a little fun, yeah, yeah, have a few beverages. I've heard, you know, we don't get to go there, but I've heard stories. And <laughs> these guys were at each other's throat the whole time, and the captain had a few beverages, and I was sitting there watching these guys, and they're they're almost coming to blows, and the captain screams at the other FO he goes I'll challenge you to a flying contest anytime and I was sitting there thinking to myself what is a flying contest now this is something I find very curious whenever I sit across from a passenger on an airplane or if I meet a stranger if I'm in my uniform the first question they always ask me is So what's your route? (laughs) 
I don't know where this comes from. There must have been a movie or a TV show at some point that everyone seems to have it in their consciousness that flight attendants have a particular route. (laughs) So what's your route? Well, I've been flying for 20 years and I've never had a route and I don't know anybody that has a route. I don't know where this route thing came from. You know, there maybe is a few flight attendants, the most senior flight attendants who can hold consistently the same trip, whatever is the best trip. You know, they might have a route, but in general, flight attendants, pilots, no route. (laughs) But I also think that possibly the reason why they want us to have a route is they're looking for some sort of routine in our job because they have a routine at their job and they want to somehow understand the routine in ours. And in actuality, no routine and no route. We're on a we're on an L ten eleven. All right. This is the time when we have pilots uh, that are flying engineer. Yeah. They call them ropes, right? Because when guys turned over 60, they let them bid down to engineer. So a rope is retired old pilot engineer, right? Retired old pilot engineer. Retired old pilot engineer. Did I get it in the That's wrong good. order? No, like okay, that. so so we got a rope flight engineer. I'm a first officer and, and we got a captain. As we're about halfway over the ocean, heading toward the U.S., we get a report from a flight attendant that there's a passenger back there that is pushing some flight attendants around. So we try to get specifics on it. We find out the guy's Indian. Um, all right. Yeah, that's so what do you what do you think? Uh, what do you what do you think of, of an Indian? You think of a little guy yeah. that's gentle like Gandhi. Yeah. So she describes this guy. He's about six foot four. Looks like he lives in a weight room. Has arms about as big around as most people's legs. Right. So. He's, he's someone to contend with. Well, we also have a flight attendant that's taking psychology courses. So she figures she can calm him down. So she goes and sits, she gets him to sit back down, and she sits down next to him, and he starts calming down a little bit. But she finds out he'd been drinking, and he'd been taking that patch for smoking. And for some people, that causes real bad reactions. Well, he starts getting worse again. So we decide we're going to send the flight engineer back to go and see what the situation is. This is before 9-11, the rope. Well, you know, you look around at him, he's about six foot two, weighs about 150 pounds, and it's all skin and bones. So we decide, well, maybe that's not a good idea. So we decide we're going to recruit, have the flight attendants recruit the best help they can get. So they find two police officers that are on the flight. So we send the security kit back with her, and we get the police officers to deal with the situation. Well, before the police officer's there, this guy manages to rip his tray table. It's his uh, tray table forward, hitting two passengers with it. Rips it completely out, right out, and, and it hits two people. So now the police officers are a little bit upset with him. So they take the security kit out, they manage to subdue him, and they tie him to the seat using the security kit. They tie both his arms to the seat. The guy's going crazy, he's struggling the whole time. We're over the ocean, we decide we're gonna land, or by this time we're over Canada. So we decide we're gonna land in Boston and have the Boston police. Let me tell you, the one thing you don't wanna mess with is very bored police officers. And airport police officers are always bored. 
So three Boston State Troopers come on the airplane, and they have a device, I don't know if I should say this, that looks to me like it's a large Velcro blanket. So they go back there. Between those two guys and the two police officers on the airplane, they managed to untie him from the uh, seat, and they start wrapping him up in this Velcro blanket. The only thing sticking out is half of the top of his head and his feet. And then these three guys, you know, these three police officers pick him up. He's completely wrapped up in the blanket, and they take him sideways out the door. And the only thing that's moving is he's bending at the waist a little bit. That's all he can do. So, you know, the result of the story is, hey, his first night in the United States is probably free because we're going to provide him a free room, free food, certainly a nice Velcro blanket. And, you know, I guess we learned, you know, don't mess with the airport police. <laughs> That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel like fools around the world together. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.